So it actually becomes a really good halfway house between entrepreneurship and salaried employment. On the one hand, you've got the salaried employment, which is very much a dictatorship in a lot of ways. But on the other hand, with entrepreneurship, it can be very difficult and very lonely when you're on your own. You do need a team around you. So with guilds, you've got the team, you've got somebody who's already figured a lot of those things out. There's probably money already coming in and you can just plug into that. You will generally find in society that there are two kinds of people, right? On the one hand, you've got people that love the security of a job. They love being employed. It's not that they necessarily like being told what to do, but they like the comfort of not having to make the decisions. They like the certainty of a monthly paycheck. They like somebody else to be able to do the kind of stressful thinking and everything, and they just want to be able to focus on their job. They want a singular approach to their job, and they like to be able to leave work at work and come home and lead their lives. That's one kind of person. The other kind of person in society generally is the kind of person that absolutely does not like being told to do, that wants to lead, that wants to make the decisions, but also understands that they are not going to have the stability of a monthly paycheck and that it's going to have up and downs. And obviously work doesn't stop at work for a lot of these people as well, right? So I'm talking the difference between you know, a salaried employee and somebody that's self-employed, somebody that's in entrepreneurship. Now, both sides, of course, have pros and cons, and both sides, have, obviously, they have their own advantages, they have their own caveats, right? If you're a salaried employee, and a lot of people who are salaried employees, though they do like the idea of, you know, being in employment and not having to worry about the other ancillary matters and everything, of course, they would like probably more autonomy in their work. They wouldn't like to be disciplined so regularly, maybe. They don't want to get pulled up. They don't want to have the threat of losing a job every five minutes. They would like to have some sort of agency about their work. And they would like to be able to see the rewards of their hard work. And of course, the person that's in entrepreneurship, they would love the idea of the financial stability, probably would like the idea of other people working with them. They probably would like to be able to switch off after work. You know, there are other things that they would like to be able to do, right? When you're an entrepreneur. So like I said, there's pros and cons both sides. But what if I was to tell you that there is a halfway house, which is how society has worked for thousands of years. And this concept now seems to have disappeared. And this concept is actually known as guilds. Guilds are actually how a lot of societies actually worked, like in Greece, formerly Anatolia, for example, like in Turkey, in the Middle East, in these kind of places, you even had guilds in the UK. A lot of, for example, hospitals that were developed, trusts that were developed here in the UK, were actually developed, paid for and built by guilds. And guilds used to be very rich. King used to even have to borrow money from guilds because he used to make a lot of money for themselves. So most men used to have uh, participation or membership in a guild. But that concept seems to have disappeared for the last couple of hundred years. And I really think it's high time it came back. But you're probably wondering how a guild actually works, which I can explain to you by giving you an analogy, basically. So a salary job is actually akin to, in terms of a modern day example, is akin to traveling by plane. So I'll explain. When you're traveling by plane, for example, let's say you book a flight from London to, say, Dubai, you don't really have a choice in when that plane's going to leave the airport. The only thing you can do is say, yes, I'd like to be on this flight or I'd like to be on this flight. The departure time is not really up to you. They've got a set number of times and then you have to pick from those. Okay. You do get some choice in what seat you can sit on on the plane if somebody else hasn't taken it. But for the most part, you are not in control and you're not making any of the decisions regards that journey. Apart from, yes, I'd like to be part of this journey. And yes, I'm going to pay for this ticket. And this is how many tickets I want. After that, near enough, every decision is made by the airline and the pilot and the air staff. The airline company, basically, 
and the rest is not really up to you. They will dictate how much luggage you can take, what your baggage allowance is. They will dictate to you when you should be at the airport. And if you don't follow any of those rules in any way, if you act up in any way, which they consider a rebellion, then you can be taken off the flight and you can be banned from the airline altogether. So you have very little autonomy over yourself where that journey is concerned. But if you now contrast that with a road trip in a car with a couple of friends, it's very, very different, right? You can agree with your friends where you're going to travel. You can agree when you're going to leave. You can bring whatever you want as long as it fits in the car. You can take it in turns to drive the car. You can choose when you're going to stop for lunch. The whole thing isn't set in stone, right? It's not like it's not very rigid. But you are still a passenger in that journey and somebody else is still kind of leading that a little bit because one person is driving the car. So they're going to make some of the choices that you can't really say too much about, but you still have influence on that. You know, there are other people on that journey that are doing their bit where that journey is concerned. One person might bring snacks. Another person might bring some music. The other person is doing the driving. One person might do the navigating. And you're having a good time between all of you. Like you're working more as a unit together. It's not as much of a dictatorship as is the plane journey. And I think that's really the difference between guilds and salaried employment because salaried employment is actually a lot more like an airline journey. And the guilds are actually more like a road trip. Now in the guild, what used to happen was you would have guilds that used to be dedicated to particular crafts. So, you know, whether it's woodwork or whether it's textiles or whether it's farming or, you know, whatever it is. So if you were somebody that had a particular aptitude, right, certain aspirations, you could join the guild. They would take you in at a very young age. You would have what's like an apprenticeship, maybe somebody would be there to teach you one to one, if not a group of people. So it's a lot like one of the fastest ways kids learn how to ride a bike is actually not from the parent, it's from other children. Because the other child can speak your child's language and they can get them to see like how they need to pedal and how they get the stability and how they can get the bike to work, which a parent might not be able to relate in that way. So you get very tuned knowledge that's imparted and tuned wisdom that's imparted because other people have already done that just before you have done it. But at the same time, you're not an employed individual. You are just part of a collective, like a cooperative. So you're still your own agent. You're still responsible for your own earning and when you want to turn up, all that kind of stuff. So it actually becomes a really good halfway house between entrepreneurship and salaried employment. On the one hand, you've got the salaried employment, which is very much a dictatorship in a lot of ways. But on the other hand, with entrepreneurship, it can be very difficult and very lonely when you're on your own. You do need a team around you. So with guilds, you've got the team, you've got somebody who's already figured a lot of those things out. There's probably money already coming in and you can just plug into that. It's much more like freelancing, but freelancing where a lot of bases have already been covered. The marketing has kind of already been done. And so it actually becomes very easy for men to earn or for people to earn when they're part of a guild. Now, unfortunately, guilds don't exist anymore. Like I said already, we don't have them anymore, but I really think that they need to come back because in entrepreneurship, it's becoming very difficult for entrepreneurs to survive on their own. In the economies that we are in right now, entrepreneurs need other entrepreneurs around them. There doesn't seem to be a space or a platform where entrepreneurs can really learn from each other without them having to spend thousands and thousands of some sort of course or something like that. There doesn't seem to be a place where everybody's just willing to just help each other for the sake of helping their fellow man. That doesn't seem to really exist anymore. You need like a coming together of people as a community so they can all help each other out. And, you know, everybody's got different skill sets. Everybody can make different contributions, just like on the road trip. And between all of those things, you can make the whole thing work very, very well, while still preserving all of your own autonomy and all of your own agency. 
Now, as part of guilds, there are other things that come with that as well. Things like Ijara, which is basically like infrastructure as a service. So when you would join a guild, for example, you know, like I've set this studio up to do this podcasting and everything, and I've had to pay for everything myself. I've had to pay for the office. I've had to pay for the cameras, the microphone equipment, everything. It's a lot of money. But imagine if I could have joined an existing studio that already had the cameras, that already had video editors, that already had all of the equipment, that had the office space and the interior deco and everything. And I could just get going and do my podcasting, like just hit the ground running without having to make an upfront payment. Like if I want to do that right now, those services already exist at the moment. I can go out and hire a studio, but it actually costs a lot of money to do that. So there's already a barrier of entry immediately. But imagine if there was a service where somebody said to me, come in, everything is already up and running. All you need to do is come in and just get going with us and and we'll share whatever we know. And then when you start making some money, share some of that with us. That's basically how the guild and infrastructure as a service work. The guild and the Ijara, that's basically how they work. You know, if somebody wants to get started as a tattoo artist or an acupuncturist, again, they've got to go and get the license to be able to practice acupuncture. They've then got to pay for a course to get qualified and certified. They then have to get their own office. They have to then buy the acupuncture equipment. And then they have to look for their own customers as well. But if there was a guild that already does acupuncture, anybody who's got an aptitude, they're willing to train them. They're willing to share their equipment with them, their office space with them, their equipment with them and everything. And then just say to them that, you know, when you start making money, when you get really good at what you do, then we'll just take a cut of what money you make. Imagine how many people that could attract and imagine how many people would want to get involved. And it's a win-win for both sides. It's a win for the guild already because they're bringing more people in that can bring in more revenue and can, you know, share the workload with them. And for the person that's coming in, obviously, they still get to maintain their own agency and they get an income stream. The problem that we have now is that we just have too many barriers of entry to whatever we want to get involved in. And I'm not saying that that isn't important because of the health and safety concerns, but these things are very, very expensive. They create a huge barrier to entry and people then have to think, well, is it worth me taking this risk and making this investment? Because what if I can't make things work on the other side? So there's that aspect of it. And then, you know, these people, they need to be able to have the confidence to be able to practice in an environment that is safe and learn from somebody that already knows what they're doing. And that these days costs a lot of money as well. And then, you know, this whole kind of university culture, college education culture, it's just incredibly expensive for people to get educated. And even apprenticeships right now only really train you in a particular skill set. There's still a lot further it could go. What we really need is a group of people that can completely do away with any barrier to entry that you have and that can lift you up and get you onto that income stream. And then you can also be your own agent and still be making money and still be contributing to the larger collective. It's very satisfying. It's very rewarding. It gets you up to speed very, very fast. It creates a lot of stability. It really fortifies the group and the collective. And it really helps men and women just lead very more satisfying lives economically.